Blog Talk Radio. Just my children and my wife I thank my lucky star To be living here today But the flag still stands for freedom And they can't take that away And I'm proud continue on both sides of the U.S.-Mexico border for the 22 people who were killed in El Paso, Texas. Citizens of both countries were gunned down last Saturday by a 21-year-old who says he was targeting Mexicans. Well, we're now joined by a man who is dealing with his own grief and loss. Andrew Torres lost two family members who were killed in the El Paso shooting, and his father was working in the mall where the gunman opened fire at the time. Andrew Torres joins us right now in El Paso, Texas. So, Andrew, uh, thank you for joining us, and first and foremost, our condolence for your loss. Thank you. Now, I understand uh, that in a few hours you'll be attending the funeral of your own, of your father's cousin, rather. Uh, one week in, I wonder, what are your thoughts and emotions? What's going through your mind seven days after this horrific shooting? I'll be completely honest. Every time that I hear it on the news, every single time that I hear it being reminded to, you know, to my city, to myself, uh, it, it, it hits me and it makes my heart race. Um, it makes me feel all sorts of emotions. It makes me think of, of the people that are grieving, the people that are truly mourning their loss. Um, my, my, uh, my cousin, my father's cousin, this woman was a beloved member of her community. She was a grandmother. Um, like many of the people who were victims in this mass shooting, they were, they were grandparents. Um, so for us, it's, it's, it's very, very shocking. It's, it's, to me, it, it feels as though it was still just yesterday. Um, I know that many people here in my city are, are trying to uh, put on a brave face and, and stand with the El Paso Strong movement. Uh, but for those that are, that are 
very close to the story. It, it it really is just it's something that just feels very very surreal still. A very difficult moment. In fact, you've said it, and others have said it when they describe the the mass shooting of last weekend. They have called this members of the Mexican American community. They have called it a quote R nine eleven attack. Can you explain what that means? This means that it was a domestic terrorist attack, and I wish that I didn't have to say that. Uh, but I have, I have asked the brother of the victim, I've asked my other cousin, I've asked these family members what they think this really is, and, and that's just the reality, is that we are suffering from domestic terrorism here in our country. Uh, it's not being treated as seriously as terrorism that is enacted from people that are outside of our country, that, uh, you know, are anything else other than a white male. And it seems to us that we, we are missing uh, any sort of action here. We feel as though our uh, legislators are not acting as, as uh, promptly as they should. We believe that there should be laws that are, are passed, uh, as, as well as a swift uh, change of narrative throughout this country in order to see any real results. Of change. And do you think it's not being labeled domestic terrorism? And, and I know you said, but I want to be very clear about this. You think the only reason why it is not being labeled domestic terrorism is because the perpetrator in this case is a white man? Sadly, once again, I wish this wasn't the case, uh, but this is the case, yes. Um, as far as our representatives and uh, Congress uh, members, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is one of them who has you know, very blatantly asked this question and has pushed our intelligence agencies and asked them, you know, why aren't these cases treated this way? Um, and I feel like this is the questioning that needs to keep happening. Uh, you see, you know, Beto O'Rourke, uh, you see Veronica Escobar, you see these people throughout our city and our representatives of our city really just hitting it uh, where, where it hurts and, and telling us the truth. Um, our sheriff, uh, Sheriff Wiles, he released a statement and he said the first sentence is, you know, this, this was an Anglo man who came to this community to target Hispanic individuals. And yes, this is not the case for every single uh, gun incident in this country. This isn't this, the case for every single uh, mass shooting. Uh, but this is definitely the case for this one. This is definitely the case for our one specific incident. Now, the U.S. President Donald Trump did make his way to El Paso earlier this week, uh, playing the role of consoler-in-chief. What do you make of his visit? Was that helpful in any way? I don't know if you read, but not one of the victims who's still in the hospital met with him. Uh, the only two victims that met with him were people that had already been released from the hospital. Um, anybody who's really still going through this really did not want this visit from the president. Uh, it... it there, in order to even have a picture with the president, you had to sign a photo release. Uh, there was more protesters than people that supported him here in the city. And it's not necessarily something that, you know, I'm, I'm once again, I wish that I didn't have to say this. Um, but this person did contribute to this problem. So for us as, as a community, it sent messages throughout the world and throughout, throughout the United States that the people that were saying, you know, who says that El Paso doesn't want Donald Trump? Who says that El Paso doesn't want the president to visit these victims? Well, the victims, 
you know, the actual people that were affected by this. The families that lost family members did not want anything to do with him at the time because it really is, yes, it's seven days later, but this is never going to go away. This is a stain on this community. This is, this is a reminder. This is going to be something that will never leave the consciousness of the, the El Paso and much less, you know, the, the country. This is something that really has uh, impacted us all and, and it will you, forever change us. And you believe the president has contributed to this political climate? Once again, sadly, I wish that I did not have to say this, but it seems as though his rallies and it seems as though this, these safe spaces for the supporters of this individual, the, the, the most supportive people of his campaign, uh, are, are, full of, are full of hateful rhetoric most of the time. And there's a, there's a political cartoon going around where it's, it's, you know, it's Donald Trump and he's saying that he, condone, he condones these words, he condones this behavior, except at his rallies. And it's, it's really at these places where you get to hear people saying, you know, the most vile and, and grotesque things that really, you know, are the, are the fuel. They are the fuel of this action. It's not the only cause. Um, and I will not say that he is the, you know, the person that, you know, told this person to do this. Uh, but it is a part of the fire. It's, it's, it's as if, you know, they're, they're the logs, they're the fuel that are being put into the fire. They're not the fire itself. Andrew, uh, again, our condolences for your loss, but thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you so much, and have a beautiful day. That is Andrew Torres in El Paso, Texas. Kids don't know what we're talking about, that we're too young to understand how the government works. We talk. I'm going through it, yeah, I know you see the tragic in it. Just hold on to the little bit of magic in it. I can't break down now. I can't take that now. Died a thousand times. Managed to survive. I can't break down now. I can't take that. Hollywood with All You Need to Know Radio, and uh, coming to you in a very sad time in our country, and we were supposed to do this show last week, and honestly, there was just so many things that were going on, I just didn't have the heart to do it the way it needed to be done, so I want to make sure that we do it that way tonight. And I'm not going to be, I'm not going to sit here and I'm going to be sad. I'm not going to be sad. I am going to celebrate life. I am going to celebrate the lives of the people that were senselessly killed because our government doesn't have the guts to do what needs to be done. So tonight we are going to talk about America is under attack with guns once again 
the President of the United States does nothing. He sits back silent. And Congress, we now find out, is run by Moscow Mitch. So apparently now Russia is running the Senate and the government. This is All You Need to Know Radio. Get ready. This is going to be the ride of your life. And I really want you to reflect on your life and how things are going in your life, making sure you're happy, making sure everything is just how you want it. But for now, sadly, we have to talk about yet another tragedy. This is John Hollywood, your host of All You Need to Know Radio, and All You Need to Know Radio starts right now. Amazing Rihanna. Where has she been nowadays? Uh, that song is called SM. I haven't seen Rihanna in so long, but she's one of my favorite, favorite artists. Uh, I can't remember the song. Umbrella. Ella. Ella. Yes, I do remember her very, very well. All right, guys. So we need to get serious for a minute. And we need to realize that we have a choice here. And the choice is that we continue to live under someone who wants to be a dictator of this country or and wants to have friends like Vladimir Putin, which is a cold-blooded killer, or Kim Jong-un or whatever the hell you say his name. I don't give a hell. I I don't care how you say his name. He's a murderous dictator. He had his own family killed just because he's such a coward. He cannot just be on he cannot, he cannot just be the president or whatever he is in his country. And the thing is, is that that's what Donald Trump wants to be like, okay? And so we have a choice here. And 2020 is not only the most important election of your lifetime. It actually is going to – it's going to really shape our nation for ages to come, for decades to come. If Donald Trump, this racist, homophobic, sexual predator, is reelected, I am going to question everything in this fucking country because I understand the reason that he was elected last time. Everybody hated Hillary Clinton. Now, that's not a good reason, but it is the reason that he won on top of being helped with, uh, by a foreign country. Now, understand, under the United States Constitution, if you are helped to be elected the president of the United States, that, that person is an illegitimate president. So Donald Trump is hiding behind legal situations, and he's hiding behind a bunch of ass-kissers like his attorney general, who is the most cowardly, fat-ass man I've ever seen in my life. 
And all he is is Donald Trump's personal attorney. Take away the United States Attorney General. He's not my Attorney General. He's not the Attorney General of the United States. He is the Attorney General for Donald Trump as his personal lapdog. I mean, he probably kisses Donald Trump's asshole every night. <laughs> trying to make a little light there. In any case, he's a disgrace. He really is. And he's already been held in contempt by Congress. Um, it's actually kind of comical to watch Camilla. I believe her name is Camilla Harris. She is actually running for president of the United States under the Democratic ticket. And it was so incredible to watch her just devour Donald Trump, not Donald Trump, but William Barr. I mean, he was so turned around when she was asking him simple questions. And she was even throwing him a lifeline. She was even like, so you didn't read the report, or you did read the report, or maybe you didn't read the report. I mean, she was trying to give him every avenue to say what he needed to say. And guess what? He's such a stupid moron because he's just like Donald Trump. Now, remember when Donald Trump was on the campaign trail, he was going to get the best people. You know, Donald Trump has no experience whatsoever in government. That's one thing that made people think, hey, maybe this guy will actually do it right. Oh, my God, were we wrong? Donald Trump wants to turn this country into a dictatorship, and he wants to be the dictator, yet he's a coward, and he's a rapist. Um, next week, or this Thursday coming up on our show, we are going to talk about there is a federal case that is, uh, was filed against Donald Trump alleging he raped a 13-year-old girl. A 13-year-old little girl. Now, just think about that for a minute. And then if you want to vote for that guy, you actually should reconsider and go and uh, confess. We need some preachers in this house. So it, it, it's just ridiculous, um, and I really wish I would not have started talking about Donald Trump because it was, this is not about Donald Trump. Um, that is actually not true. Donald Trump has awakened some hate in this country that has, was successfully put, put away, and like white supremacists, they hid in the dark. They, they didn't walk out in broad daylight talking about you will not take, the Jews will not take our lives or whatever the hell they were lying about. And they were saying cowardly, at least before the Ku Klux Klan used to wear white hoods over their head because they were in shame. Donald Trump has made it like okay to be a because Donald Trump is a white supremacist. Forget the word nationalist. It doesn't exist. He is a white supremacist. There's no argument of that, okay? There's no debating that. That's what he is. Now, the reason that the guy that actually killed his own sister, the gunman that we played earlier, he killed his own sister because he wanted to kill as many Mexicans as he could to please Donald Trump. So that music right there means we need to take a break. 
kind of got off the subject a little bit. We'll get right back on it. You're listening to All You Need to Know Radio, America's number one show just because of you. If you would like to uh, follow us on Facebook at All You Need to Know Radio, Twitter, All Need to Know Radio, and Instagram, guys, we're about to hit 250,000 people following us. It's incredible, and we are so grateful. So here's Paula Abdul. We'll be right back. Number one without a doubt When I went ahead and see as always I was screaming from an awful little fire Do I ever realize He's been working, working on the, on the level He's been only, only playing on the cover all the while He can take another, another look into his eyes And he will only see a reptile You can find him right above the girl You can only make a cry You can just him right above the girl He's good cold as ice, ice I'm going to have to move your diagnosis of being HIV positive to having AIDS. We are dying, and it's time that we fight. I'm not posing for a mugshot. Take that off. I'm tired of your big plans and your stupid dreams. Why are you just focus on yourself for once? I'm scared to die or to live. Crazy thing is, it's not my life I'm seeing right now. It's my kids. Pose, season premiere June 11th on FX. Front hook, ankle hook, knee hook. From here, you can do the carousel, the switch, and wrap. Minus 40% is 160. I just want to take care of my grandma, maybe go shopping every once in a while. When I was a kid, I always wanted to work with animals. (laughs) I was close. These Wall Street guys. You see what they did to this country? They stole from everybody. Hardworking people lost everything. And not one of these douchebags went to jail. The game is rigged, and it does not reward people who play by the rules. 
like robbing the bank, except you get the keys. Are you in? I got a These are my coworkers. Job, please. What if somebody calls the cops and says what? I spent $5,000 at a strip club, send help. Damn. We're a family now. Damn. A family with money. And when would you say that things got out of control? So the guy went back three more times. Guess he must have liked it. I was born to play. Diamonds on my neck. I like boarding decks. I like more than sex. But nothing in this world. I like more than sex. We didn't do anything wrong. You know, Tony wouldn't let this happen. I'm going to text him. Who gave her her phone back? Jump it down. Pick it up. He has to 
the only way he knows how to motivate his base is through hate. And it's so sickening and disgusting. So real quick, guys, this uh, our show tonight is brought to you by the law firm of uh, Warwick and Nunn. Please go on warwickandnunn.com and look at the services they provide. We are going to be joined by one of the partners, Hunter Nunn, uh, within the next few minutes. But right now, um, we're going to have my gingerbread man join me, and we're going to talk about this sad, sad situation. Hey, gingerbread man, how are you tonight? Doing well. How are you tonight? You know, I'm a, I'm trying really hard not to be sad, but you can't really be excited. I mean, you know, it's like after 9-11 when – all the, the late night show hosts were like, "How do you how do you open a show after this?" You don't open a show with adulation. There's nothing good that's come from people being murdered. What this show does is opens up the conversation once again. And the NRA and proponents of it would say, "Well, this is the wrong time to talk about it. When is the right time to talk about it?" Because they don't want to talk about it when guns are not an issue. And then they don't want to talk about it when the guns are an issue. So, unfortunately, this is the time that it seems that we're able to get the most done, whether it's, it's looking at our mental health as a nation, seeing what the stem causes of some of this is, seeing what we need to do to control the flow of guns into the, the hands of people who don't need to have them. You know, you're bringing up a really good point because I – I don't understand what the big deal is about if you – we have to have a driver's license to drive. You have to have insurance to drive a car. And I don't understand what the big deal is of why, why is there a problem with if you are a mental – if you're mentally insane, why should you be able to get a gun? And why should anybody care about that? Well, there's two parts to this that I'm aware of. First of all, uh, NRA and proponents of of owning guns will say that they want to limit the restrictions of Americans' rights. And according to the Constitution, uh, they quote the Second Amendment that has been translated into the right to bear arms. Now, I would like to point out it's been uh, translated that way as, as most recently as 2010 in a court case where a 4-5 split at the Supreme Court said that uh, the right to bear arms is a constitutional right. The original constitution says something along the lines of the American citizens have a right to maintain and train an armed militia. Now, I don't think that a one-off person owning a full automatic weapon shooting in the middle of a, of a Walmart is constituting a well-trained or well-maintained militia. I think that's a, a terrorist at best. Now, as far as uh, how are they able to get past the screenings that are already in place and get that gun is the fact that we have pockets of knowledge. We have local, city, state, federal uh, jurisdictions. We have CIA, FBI, national and federal uh, companies who track different issues and different crimes and predict different things, and they share information very, very little. So a comprehensive database or a comprehensive screening of anyone is near impossible because you may be able to buy a gun in Ohio with two or three major counts of violence in Minnesota, but those don't flag up on each other because they're not connected. On top of it all, federal uh, 
laws, the police and the FBI and the counterintelligence nation, stuff like that, don't talk to the medical community. So you have a medical community who's left out of the conversation completely, and if they are diagnosed as a mental issue or a, um, a violent issue, they're not deemed the same conversation as they would with the uh, actual police enforcement. I completely agree with you, actually. I completely agree with you. It's So if we get all of that to be kind of... What, 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 how many more people have to die is, I guess, kind of what this comes to. Listen, I have just been told by our producers that uh, Hunter Nunn with Warwick Nunn is on the line with us. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to take him live. He's going to explain to us. He's he lo- he's an average. He likes he is for the Second Amendment. He's going to explain to us why people. I think he's going to explain to us in a very intelligent way that I can't fathom right now with the emotion I'm going through. But he is a gun owner, I believe. I know he believes yes. in the Second Amendment, and we are and going he, to. He's grown up in that culture. Absolutely. So real quick, this is Whitney Houston and KYGO. He's an amazing DJ. We lost Whitney Houston way too soon, but we'll be right back. This is All You Need to Know Radio, and I'm your host, Don Hollywood. Tonight's show is brought to you by the amazing law firm of Warwich and Nunn. Go to warwichandnunn.com. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, let's who this is. It's your favorite radio host, John Hollywood with All You Need to Know Radio. And I want to take some time out real quick to give a big shout out to an amazing law firm, Warwick and Nunn. Guys, if you have any kind of legal problems of any kind, I mean, if you have personal injury, real estate, and um, business problems, transactions, if you need litigation help, uh, par- I don't know about parking tickets, but man, this law firm does everything. If you have been taken advantage of and you think you have nowhere to turn, let me brighten your uh, eyes right now and put a smile on your face. Call 972-863-9592. That is 972 972- Eight six three nine five nine two. Ask for Hunter or Amos, and it is Warridge and Nun. That's Warridge and Nun, and they are a full service law firm. They are so incredible, guys. One thing is they're trustworthy. The other is they actually will care about your case and explain it to you where you will be able to understand it. A lot of attorneys I've dealt with in my life, they like to talk over your head, not these guys. These guys want you to understand you do have a choice. You've got to be the one that makes the right choice. 
If you're having any problems legally, if you're having aggressive if you're having aggressive problems in your life to where you feel like you just have nowhere to turn, I've got the place you need to turn to. It is the law firm of Warwick and Nunn at 972-863-9592. That's 972-863-9592. Or go to warwicknunn.com. Make sure you tell these guys, Hunter and Almost, that you heard about them on All You Need to Know Radio, your favorite radio show. And, guys, listen, legal problems are just a thing of life. There are people out there that will take advantage of you. There are people out there that will make you feel that you have no options. These guys are rock stars. And in the courtroom, they are incredible and they won't let you get taken advantage of so all you need to know radio and john hollywood recommend warwards and none call him right now if you have any kind of legal problems any kind of legal questions 972-863-9592 that's 972-863-9592 Warwards and none, the law firm, you need to know if you have any questions about things that are going on in your law. The law is a hard thing to understand. And I'm doing a longer commercial because I want to make sure you understand that I have dealt with very unethical attorneys before in the past. And these guys, you can hang your hat on. They are about building relationships with their clients. They want to make sure you understand legal services. They want to build partnerships. And they want to make sure that their clients' legal needs are addressed, no matter how small or how large. The one number you need to remember if you need a law firm is 972-863-9592. That's 972-863-9592 or warwardsandnone.com or email info at w-a-r-a-n-c-h-n-u-n-n.com. Thank you again. You won't regret it if you call them. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on All You Need to Know Radio, because all you need to know is Warwich and Nunn. 972-863-9592. One last time, 972-863-9592. Take a seat. Rattle the desk, sat on the stairs, stay or leave. The cabinets are bare, and I'm unaware of just how we got into this mess. Got so aggressive, I know we meant all good intentions. So pull me closer, why don't you pull me close? Why don't you come on over? I can't just let you go. Oh, baby, why don't you just meet me in the middle? I'm losing Welcome back to All You Need to Know Radio with your host, John Hollywood. 
And once again, this show is sponsored by the law firm of Warwick and Nunn. Guys, go to warwickandnunn.com if you need any legal help. If you're just questioning, is there any way someone can help you? These guys will tell you if you have a case. These guys will be honest and frank with you. And the one thing I really love is everything is in writing and they explain everything to you because they really want you to understand how the law works and the expectations of what goes on. So tonight we are privileged to have Hunter Nunn with Warwick and Nunn joining us live. Hello, Mr. Nunn. Hello, Mr. John Hollywood. How are you today, sir? Doing all right, sir. How are you? I've been better. You know, the world is under attack. Uh, The country is not the same ever since November 6th of 2016. Our presidency was hijacked by a rapist, sexual predator. Now we know that he's a racist. There's like no questioning that. Just don't even try anybody out there. Hold all your text messages. And if you send me hate mail, it's going to the to the FBI. So the reason that we've got uh, Mr. Uh, Nunn on tonight is that his partner is actually out of town. And our, our segment, Best in Justice, with almost, with almost Rorch normally, we now have a special guest, Hunter Nunn. So, Hunter, we are going to talk about what needs to be really talked about tonight. And I think that it's being, once again, Donald Trump is trying to deflect with everything that he's doing with the Jeffrey Epstein case. We do want to remind you guys that this Thursday at uh, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, our show is going to be about the president of the United States has a federal case that has been filed against him alleging, I can't even believe I'm getting ready to say this on the radio alleging the sitting president of the United States of America raped a 13-year-old little girl. And the complaint, it turns my stomach. I've read it five times. And uh, almost has a, a lot of personal thoughts about this. And he'll be joining us on Thursday. So let's talk about what's going on right now. America is under attack with guns and the president of the United States. And it's not just Donald Trump. There was a lot of shootings when President Obama was in office. Nothing really ever got done. Time passes. People move on. And the people who are killed senselessly are just forgotten. And I think it is really sad. But at this point, Congress isn't even doing anything. So what I would like to know from you, Hunter, is as someone who believes in guns, what do we do to make America safe from people that are mentally unstable to get guns? I mean, that they should not have guns. What can we do to convince the NRA and the government that it's a necessity now? We must protect each other. Any suggestions? John, that's a great question, and, uh, you know, obviously the reason I'm on right now, or I, I think what predicated this is the recent shootings in El Paso and in Ohio, and the, the first thing that I want to say is those are horrible, horrible tragedies 
that should never happen. And uh, just want to express our sympathy and condolences to the victims and their families. It, it's going to be something that will be with them for the rest of their lives. And it, it's, it, it's a horrible situation all around. That's a good question that you asked, John. And, you know, as somebody who grew up as an avid hunter, uh, you know, my, my background is probably identifiable for some, but I know it's not identifiable for everybody. And, um, you know, definitely there are issues, I think, with potentially mentally unstable individuals possessing and handling firearms. And there were actually measures that the Obama administration took to try to alleviate that situation. Some of those have been repealed by the Trump administration. And I think it would be beneficial to take a look at coming back to some of those regulations and seeing if they might help us now. And the answer is probably yes. You know, those are valid points there that not necessarily everybody needs to be possessing and using a firearm. And if there are legitimate concerns about somebody's mental health, which I want to preface by saying there's nothing wrong at all with being mentally ill. It's a real thing, and it's very difficult for a lot of people. And so I don't want to imply that, you know, that I'm trying to discriminate against anybody who's mentally ill. If that's the case, then I want anybody who's mentally ill or dealing with some kind of issue to get appropriate treatment. And would you, you know, say that but, but the ball on that? I mean, the government could have done so much more for the mentally ill, and I really feel like they dropped the ball on it big time. Well, I will say that there's been a plenty of different uh, laws and legislations that have been put in effect for both the mentally and for the gun control both, and they've timed out. Uh, the last major gun control law was put into effect through Clinton's administration, and it had to do with uh, the, what type of weapons were allowed to be sold to civilians. And when that timed out, Congress did nothing. We saw 10 shootings happen before those gun controls went into effect. And uh, when those, the gun effects went in between the time that that law was in, fact, uh, in effect, we only had two shootings. Now we're up to like two shootings a week since those uh, laws have, have timed out and we've moved on without doing anything to support that. Hunter, what do you think possesses the president of the United States when a tragedy like this happens to make it about himself? John, that's a question that's impossible to answer. Um, you know, I many headlines and stories that you read about the current administration, I, I have a hard time figuring out what the motivation is for them to do anything that they do. You know, I, I I don't know what would possess someone to use what would appear to me to be obvious insensitivity to grieving families and to people who have been hurt. And I, that that's an impossible question to answer, John. See, I think, I think Hunter, you're trying to make sense of this, and they're trying to make dollars of this, and that's the problem. Is that a lot of what Trump seems to do has to do with the flow of money and where he uh, can garnish the most glory. 
he's not out. Well, he's not an American president. He's an American reality TV star. And I guess, really, let me be fair here because Hunter, that kind of wasn't a fair question to you. What I was meaning to say was, I wonder what do Trump supporters look at? You know, people that are average gun gun owners, do they look at the president of the United States saying things like he's saying when when our country is so divided, it, it, it's sad. And at this point, don't you think something like that, you could try to bring the country back together? And I'm wondering, Trump supporters are sitting out there still defending this guy, and I'm just, I'm trying to understand why. You know, there are 393 million guns in private hands right now. And it's an issue that is not going to get resolved overnight. And it's hard to believe anything that comes out of Donald Trump's mouth. So please, once again, I apologize for kind of putting you on the spot there. That wasn't fair. What I'm trying to do is that what do you think that we could do to and convince the NRA that something has got to be done because it can't just be about money. People are literally still dying over this. And someone's got to come up with an idea because we can't continue like this. As far as the NRA goes, they're also a polarizing force. You know, everybody knows what their track record is for pro-gun legislation, and, and that's fine. You know, I I don't know I don't know John that the NRA is ever really going to case substantially on gun control issues. And, you know, even with that being said, I, I do think that there is room to propose reasonable new gun control laws. Like what would you do? What would be the first thing you could do if you could do it? If I could do it, that's kind of a twofold question because I, I think part of it is education and understanding, Okay. I think there's also a a valid argument to be made that gun crimes, if you will, are a symptom of a greater problem, okay? And I don't really know that you can legislate that. I think, though, when you you profess stuff like guns save lives and that we need more guns on the street because guns are what's protecting us, that's, that's a complete fallacy. I mean, it's proven that when there's more guns, there's going to be more shootings. You have access to these guns. There's going to be more shootings. When we had the, the, the fully automatic why? weapons ban, there exactly. were fewer shootings. What, if someone explain to me why you need a weapon that shoots off 50 rounds of ammunition within minutes. If it's for, for a hunting, second, yeah. it would destroy the creature you were hunting. And, and can take some support out of it. I mean, seriously, why is that such a big deal to just ban assault weapons? I realize that people want to protect themselves, even though, Hunter, here we go with this. Where in the United States Constitution does it say you have the right to bear arms? I can't find it. It's in the Second Amendment. Where? It's in the Second Amendment in a ruling from a court. it, It is in what is called... The operative clause of the Second Amendment. 
which, which okay. is where the Second Amendment confers the individual right to keep right. and bear arms. But the major part of the rule focuses on the right to have uh, um, armed militia that's well-trained and managed. And I think that's the problem that we're missing is you, you spoke about educating gun owners. I strongly agree with that. We have driving courses for driver's ed for vehicle drivers. We have people who will teach for any kind of license, whether it's airplanes or uh, trains or whatever. Guns should be very similar and treated the same way. You should have a gun license. You should be able to be trained and educated on the safety of it, for the, the honor of it, for the respect of it and other gun owners. You should also be trained. You should also, I think, have insurance on it. Just if you were a pilot, just if you were a driver, you have a car insurance so that if something does happen, if something bad did happen, there's something that there set aside to help save lives, to help prevent medical costs, to help uh, alleviate some of the overall just murder Hunter, can or you do maiming. Under, with, under the Supreme Court ruling then, do you remember what the specifics were that caused them to, to rule that that it, you do have the right to bear arms because I've looked it up and I can't find the case. Can you help me with that? Yes, sir. It's District of Columbia versus Heller. It's from 2008. See, guys, nothing but and the in best. 2010, yeah, in 2010, they even did a, a rehearing on some of those aspects and they found the same results. So let me, uh, let me kind of explain how this worked because – in this case, we're talking about the District of Columbia against a D.C. police officer, a special police officer. And what the District of Columbia argued was essentially the same point that's being made here was that the purpose of the Second Amendment was to confer a right to keep and bear arms for militia purposes, you know, or for use as part of an organized military militia activity. You know, the Supreme Court disagreed with that. And the reason why it was, and I I think it really makes a lot of sense in the historical context of the amendment in American history, the Supreme Court looks at this and says you have a prefatory clause and you have an operative clause, okay? The prefatory clause is the part that discusses, you know, in order to keep a well-regulated militia, okay? Right. However, when they examine it in the context of the times in the 1770s, what the Supreme Court wound up discussing is the prefatory clause does not control. Now, it can have a logical connection, and obviously it has a meaning, okay? But just because it's there doesn't make it control. Now, talking about the right to keep and bear arms that's the operative clause. And so what the Supreme Court gets into a discussion about is it's not, it's not making the prefatory clause fit the operative clause. You have to look at it the other way around. Okay. What they wind up saying is when you look at the constitutional debates, you analyze the constitutions of some of the earlier colonial states and then look at the development of American law in general, the right to keep and bear arms for individual purposes is upheld across the board. So what, but what you're saying is if you're looking through it through the lens of 1776 and you have Minutemen who have rifles and they're supposed to go straight from farming to the front lines defending their 
you know, non-nation against the British invasion, those are the rights that they were fighting for, was the right to bear arms. But I don't think that anyone in, that wrote the Constitution or anyone who upholds or helped sign the Declaration of Independence into act or anything like that had the idea of anything much past a, a rifle. I mean, we're talking about a gun who shoots one bullet, and it takes 15 years to get through the, the gunpowder, adding another bullet, to smashing it all down, to lighting the fuse. And, you know, there's to shoot a bullet more than, like, one a minute, it would be impossible. We're now talking about a bullet a second, maybe. And to have 50 of those go off in 30 seconds, that's, that's mind-blowing. We're no longer talking about the right to bear arms. They're asking for the right to mass produce bullets. I mean, like, we're to the point now where it's not us defending a nation and having to switch from farmers to soldiers at a at moment's notice. We're talking about one-off people who are able to get their hands on weapons of mass destruction effectively and at least terrorism. I understand that, and you have to understand you have the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution, right? So. Right. The way I like to think or, or to describe the Constitution is a baseline, okay? You have the federal Constitution that sets out a baseline for rights you have and that you're guaranteed as an American citizen, okay? Now, through the right. 14th Amendment, all states in the Union that have ratified the Constitution are also bound by the Constitution, okay? So each of the 50 states they can't infringe on an individual right that's guaranteed by the Constitution, okay? Now, there are certain instances where a state can regulate or impose restrictions on a right that's guaranteed by the Constitution, but the Constitution is a baseline, okay? So, uh, to that but point... But federal the, always trumps state, correct? In law. If there's a conflict, yes. It, if, a, yeah. if the United States Constitution says one thing and a state constitution says a different thing that actually puts those two laws in conflict, yes, the United States Constitution controls and wins that conflict. You would follow the United States Constitution. That's the law that, that that's the law of the land. Now, when it comes to the Supreme Court, I think this actually got mentioned in the news not too long after the current president was elected. There was there was a discussion I hadn't heard in a while about Marbury versus Madison, where the Supreme Court comes out and says, hey, we tell you what the law of the land is, okay? So why am I talking about that? Here's why. The Supreme Court tells us what the law is, okay? They don't the founding write the law. Fathers, the original legislature passed the Constitution, right? So the Supreme Court, it's their job, if there's a question, to tell us what it means, okay? And in this case, they're telling us what the Second Amendment means, okay? What the Supreme Court says is the law of the land is that, no, that right, if you try to read the Second Amendment that way, as being only for the purpose of keeping a well-regulated militia, that's not yeah. a proper reading of the Second Amendment is what the Supreme Court says, okay? I, I, I agree with that. What the, 
What the Supreme Court says in this opinion is, when you read the operative clause, that confers an individual right to keep and bear arms for traditional non-military purposes, okay? Because what they find is, when you talk about it in the context of colonial America, what are you talking about? Who's the militia? That's basically right. able-bodied men at that time, okay? Right. The Supreme right. Court looks at this and says, is it really right to say – excuse me. Is it really right to say the only General people who were conferred yeah. that right by the Constitution were able-bodied men who were expected to use them for military purposes? And the answer to that question is no. Right. The Supreme Court looked at a lot of historical sources, which I think is actually a very interesting discussion in this opinion. You know, they were looking at the development of the right to keep and bear arms even before colonial times. You know, and there's a discussion in the opinion about the kings of England that tried to disarm Protestants. It's very interesting, but what they wind up recognizing, and I think the founding fathers did too, is that. The right to keep and bear arms, it's not a right created by the Constitution. It's a pre-existing right. Uh, that they're recognizing. You might, you might as well be saying it is a fundamental human right to keep and bear arms. And so what the Constitution does is it codifies that law in writing. Okay? So what so you even have if we agree. So even if we agree about the uh, the guns and like I have I have no desire to take away people's guns. That's not ever been a philosophy of mine. But I have grown other... up in the generation of Cabot and of Columbine and of going to school and learning how to use uh, safe havens, you know, close classroom doors, shut down blinds, you know, be ready for gun violence on a daily basis of high school. And you shouldn't have to be going through the stress of high school and adolescence along with Wondering if you're if that student across the hallway is going to be shooting at you. So it becomes a conversation now about what guns and what. Well, and, and, but before but before we really move on, there was one other comment you made that I wanted to talk about, which was the okay. the context of of weapons that were available at that time, and how that applies to today. And in, in this opinion, is the courts considering well. What is an arm? You know, what does it mean to bear arms? What does it mean to keep arms? This exact point came up, and what the court says is it's it's a fairly broad definition of what constitutes an arm, which is pretty much any weapon that can be used for anything. The way I read the opinion, however, but we can all know that like a nuclear bomb is going to be inappropriate. Like we don't even want Korea to have. We don't want them to have bombs that fly over the ocean. So, I mean, there's definitely got too much. Where it's well, right, but what the, the, the point I'm going for here is, is that <laughs> the court looks at this and says, we're recognizing that not only does this apply to weapons that were in existence at that time, but yes, this applies to weapons that were not in existence at that time. Okay, so to your point, in the question, if you will, yes, the Second Amendment does, in my opinion and in my reading of, of this opinion, yes, it does extend to assault weapons, <clears throat> regardless of the of the action or the capacity of the magazine. 
So you feel you feel like that's a right for American citizens to have military grade weapons in a local or personal use. Well, okay, let's talk about and, that. And let's clarify. You're just telling us what you believe the law says, right? This is not something that. Yes. Okay. Yes. This is as the Supreme Court of the United States has delivered and told us what the law is. This is my understanding as to what they're saying about what the law of the land is. And, uh, and let's let's talk because you've used the word military grade, okay? So I, I think to some extent there's a misconception about what that actually means. Okay. You know, in in reading on these things and, and on these recent shootings, I, I understand that I believe the El Paso shooter used a semi-automatic AK-47 type rifle, okay? I understand that the rifle used by the shooter in Ohio was some type of modified, almost more pistol-like weapon that had a shoulder. With a larger shot. magazine. Yeah. Right. And yes. It had a larger magazine. Yes. So, so I just want to talk a little bit about kind of the operation and classifications here. So I, I think there are some misconceptions out there about how these weapons work. And, um, you know, it, it's not at all to take anything away from how horrible these situations are. But these are things that I hear, and I just want to talk a little bit about how these weapons actually function. Because a semi-automatic weapon is not a fully automatic weapon, and it's not a machine gun, as people understand them. You know, if you watch, I, I don't know, I well, it's probably, I don't want to compare it to something you would see in a movie. Uh, just out of purposes of sensitivity, but for educational purposes, these are not weapons where you squeeze the trigger and the gun continues to fire until you let the trigger go, okay? What a semi-automatic weapon does is when you pull the trigger, it fires one round, one bullet, if you will, okay? Now, in fairness, the rifle my dad hunts with is a Browning automatic rifle, 30-06, Okay. Now, obviously, it doesn't have a magazine that holds, you know, 50 rounds. I think it holds four or five. But with a Browning automatic rifle like that, which my dad uses on the deer stand, every time you pull the trigger, that's going to fire one bullet. Okay. Now, I don't per se consider that a military grade weapon. Okay. And frankly, when it comes to fully automatic weapons, if you have a fully automatic AR-15 or AK-47 or whatever it may be, you can't own that weapon without stringent background checks and very expensive federal permits. Okay, and I don't. I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand, and um, they're hard to get and they're expensive, and. Uh, but I don't even per hard se to get, consider. You feel like they should, they should be accessible at all. Hey guys, hold on one second, real quick. If you're just joining sure. us, guys, this is all you need to know. Radio, and we are having a very frank and honest conversation about what is going on about America being under attack with guns and the government not doing anything. And we are very lucky to have uh, with Warwick and Nun, which is the sponsor of this show. 
uh, Hunter Nunn on the phone with us, as well as the, my gingerbread man. And we are having a very frank and honest conversation about, you know, what this actually means to people. And I, I love what Hunter is talking about. Once again, guys, this is All You Need to Know Radio, and we're going to give Hunter back the floor. Yes, sir. So I, that's just one thing I, I hear people talk about that I'm not sure a lot of people who don't have a lot of experience with guns or, or may live in states where guns, firearms are, are more restricted that they may not understand. And uh, th- that was just something I wanted to, to kind of talk about since the, the word military grade was used. Right. So not when, all, when maybe, no, maybe I I just, just, we should have a term for like terroristic level weaponry. And that would be stuff with like bomb stocks or a large carry uh, cartridges of ammunition or um, how many bullets you can shoot per what speed. A semi-automatic, I mean, with a good trigger finger, and I've even seen guns with double triggers, you can pop off 50 shots in a, in a minute. You know, that's huh. almost a bullet a second easily, and that's not even for somebody who's heavily trained. So when you and have somebody who wants to cause enough terror, enough uh, fear, terror. it's easy. you got to be careful using the word terrorist, okay, because... I don't know if that's going a little far. Or what do you think, Hunter? Is that well? We, we, I, I understand what he means, and, and, and I think it's a it's a fair question to ask in a, a valid concern. I, I would say this: that, that yes, you know, if you have a weapon, a weapon of that caliber, a two twenty three, which is what a standard assault rifle or at least an AR-15 would be, is a two twenty three caliber bullet. Yes, that is a dangerous weapon. But now let's think, any gun, any firearm is a dangerous weapon, okay? Now, used responsibly by somebody who understands what they're doing, you right. minimize the risk, okay? And uh, I've been around people all my life, who handled firearms safely and responsibly and never hurt anyone and would never want to hurt anyone, okay? Now, when we talk about terroristic uses, unfortunately, there's more than one, you know, context you could apply that to. I would also, um, when we talk about terroristic usage, unfortunately, terrorists have used many weapons through the years. You know, and firearms have been one of them. But we've also seen right. terrorists, uh, unfortunately, use pickup trucks, vans, chemical um, weapons, jogging trails. Um, you know, we, we've seen them. You know, sadly, we've seen them hijack airplanes and, and fly them into skyscrapers. And um, so, you know, all of which were horrible, horrible events in our history. And um, but, you know. The point being, anyone who wants to hurt other people or has an ill motive, those people can find a lot of things to use as weapons. And and I think I mentioned this earlier, and we'll probably talk about it more, but this is another reason why I think that some of these gun crimes and shootings are probably symptoms of another problem. Oh, absolutely. Uh, We were talking about some of this as far as El Paso goes and talking about why El Paso was chosen. And I really do feel like it's because Beto O'Yorick was proud to have a 
uh, Harbor Town. He had one of the safest towns. He, that he preached about how they were a sanctuary city, and that made certain people mad about that. Certain people, mm-hmm. let's call it out, Donald Trump. And every, every rally, he kept talking about Beto and the size of his crowds, which who cares about that stuff. But, yes, I actually believe he did have something to do with – in fact, I believe it's been reported that the gentleman – or not gentleman – the coward shooter that killed his own sister in El Paso. He specifically said in a video that he was doing this to kill as many Mexicans as he could for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. That's got to give you pause. For me, it does anyway. In fact, it makes me go, that's in, let's ask a legal question here, Hunter. Is that in a riot? Is the president of the United States is seriously, let's take the fact that he's not the president. If you make those kind of statements and it causes people to do these kind of things that this guy did, what's the, is there a criminal? What's the liability? Yeah, what's the liability? Because that's inciting a riot. I don't know if it's inciting a riot because one person's not a riot. But the multiple shootings and Sorry, go ahead. I've always thought of inciting a riot as more focused, concentrated action toward a pretty specific group of individuals, and I, I think it's it's difficult it's to make an argument that, that this is per se inciting a riot. Yeah, instead of a riot, how about it's inciting hate? It's, in, well, it's inciting someone to go out and commit. I don't, I don't think that's illegal yet. Well, it's Unfortunately, it, it probably is legal. Is it right? No, absolutely not. And um, y- you know, in my personal opinion, it is—it's absolutely inappropriate for a sitting president to do that, or even somebody who's trying to get nominated, or somebody who's been a former. Like anyone who's in a leadership role, especially on that level of government should be leading by example. He should be inclusive, not exclusive. There shouldn't be a daily gap of him uh, quoting some sort of xenophobic or homophobic or racial slur or every time you see him, he's saying something else that you just are appalled by. But we've tuned our society into this numbness for it and expectation for it that we just settle for it. Maybe somebody have, some people have, but I haven't. I still know what's right and wrong. I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for this, but I'm going to say it. I really think this has to do a lot with parents. I think it's just bad parenting. When you have a 21-year-old child, now, if I remember right, I believe in uh, the El Paso case, his mother actually went to the, called the police and told the police that her son was not well and was buying dangerous weapons. And the officer actually told her it was not a police officer. I think it was a peace officer. Dispatcher, yeah. Yeah, it was an operator. There was nothing they could do. So they were warned this guy was going to do this, and they didn't do anything. So... I think a lot of this, we have to go back to the, it's parenting. 
you know, you can see when your child is mentally ill and unhappy and staying in their room and they're on video games. Oh, and by the way, Donald Trump's um, solution to this is to crack down on violent video games, which is the most absurd statement to someone that opens fire like they do. You guys can hear that. That's my, that's my mascot poor dog yawning. But don't, do you get, Hunter, do you agree with me? Did you Man, do you agree with me that this actually really is traced back to parents, bad parenting in some cases? Parenting has become a very difficult role. I think that's most likely part of the issue that we're having here. And, it, you know, John, it's, it's hard it's hard to judge somebody, you know, not that you should judge anyone anyway. Maybe that's the wrong word to use, but you know, I I think there's a lot to be said for trying to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes before you make a conclusion on them. And uh the, the truth about it is, I I wasn't there when this young man was growing up. I you know, I know his family has said what he's done is inconsistent with the way he was raised, you know, and, and it's impossible to say, but I, I do think there's probably a lot to be said for parents monitoring their kids. And, and if there is a concern, getting appropriate help or intervention. And um, the other part of it is if you're, if you're going to have a household where you're going to have firearms education, you know, and and then if you have a concern that your child may not be well, but may also have access to firearms, then I think it's reasonable to ask parents to, to take measures to prevent their child from handling those firearms. And, uh, and I think that, I think that parenting as a whole has become a lot more of a challenge. Back in the 1950s, you had you know, at least one parent that was staying at home and was able to monitor the children when they came home and help them get their studies and their extracurricular activities done. Now we live in a society that we don't have a corporate structure that can support that. You know, most families have a a two-family income or two-parent income, which means both parents are out of the house often. They both come home tired, and they're not ready for their kids who have had their day thrown at them, and the workload for the students has gotten more and more. So you have now exhausted people coexisting with each other, and nobody's raising anybody. Meanwhile, you have so many extra sources of input. You have students talking to students. You have social media leading things. You have violent TV shows and games. Sure, maybe they have an influence on it. But when you don't have control over the message that you're sending to your children because he's getting such a shotgun effect of information, it's very hard to raise a child, rather yet if you have a household of two or three. Sure it is. You know, and any parent raising a child is is hard. Um, You know, there's going to be ups and downs, that's for sure. I I have no doubt my parents would tell you that. (laughs) 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 You you know, my my mom is a a school teacher, and – some of the stories I've heard from her through the years about her interactions with parents don't inspire a whole lot of confidence, but, um, no, <laughs> I, I, I think those, those are, lowest paid professionals. 
our teachers well, yeah, in charge of our next generation are not in the And that's uh, I, I know we're we're talking about guns tonight, but I'd be happy uh, to, to come on another time and, and tell you how I feel about the way that we treat teachers. But, oh yeah, um, we'll, we'll do that. You know, I think um, parenting is definitely part of it, and um, in my opinion, and I I don't have kids, but it, even when I do, you know, my household will be a firearm household, and um, right. what what I recognize is part of that, being a conscientious firearm owner is that if you're going to have children in the house around your firearms. You need to secure them, in my opinion, and then you need, you need to teach them how to responsibly handle them when they reach an appropriate age where they can understand. And then the consequences that happen if they don't use them appropriately. You have to be, keep that firearm in safe. Is that not true or yes? Well, I, I think that's what you should do. And, but is it uh, you, Well, what you definitely don't want you don't want small children who can't understand handling firearms. That's not going to work. Um, you know, and, and everybody's different. Some kids mature faster than others, but it, everybody's going to have an age where they can understand it. And, um, you, you know, when I was, when I was four or five, you know, and I mean, making like rice art and bringing thumbprints home from school and, and that kind of stuff. I, I wasn't handling pistols then, you know, right. and, uh, but you, you reach an age, it's different for everybody, you know, where you, you have enough mental awareness and capacity that you can understand this is a firearm. If you point it at somebody, it can hurt them. Okay. And, you know, that's why he, you keep it pointed away from people. You keep the safety on if it's got one, and you don't put your finger on the trigger until you're ready to fire. And, and you always treat the firearm like it's loaded. You know, and, and these are things I, I, don't think, I don't think everybody necessarily comes up with that kind of training the way I did. You know, it was important to my dad. It was important to my uncle. It was important in scouts. And uh, yeah, not, not everybody gets that. And uh, David, kind of hey, your point earlier, where, where you were talking about it is really, really important. Can you repeat that one more time? This is a lesson, guys. If you have guns, what he just said, a lot of people don't know. Would you mind repeating that? Sure. You know, you want me to repeat kind of the basic rules for gun safety? Yes, sir. Etiquette. I think it would be very advantageous for people to understand that guns are very dangerous and they're not just playthings. And if you're going to have them, you need to be responsible about it. So what you just said was really informative. You do. And, uh, you know, there's, there's several rules that I, they're all important and it's difficult to place any one of them over the other. I would say, the, the very first rule of handling any firearm is always treat it like it's loaded, like it is locked and loaded, okay? Always keep it pointed away from people, okay? If it has a safety, the safety stays on until you're ready to shoot. And you don't ever put your finger on the trigger until you're ready to fire. 
then it especially hold on, let him Especially if you have if you have young children in the house exactly. or wherever you're keeping your firearms, secure them. Do not let your children or other people's children get access to your firearms. Right. Thank you, Hunter. And, and, and David, kind of to your point, uh, I think you mentioned a little while ago about some kind of training and licensing things. And uh, what I will what I will tell you is, my dad's actually a Texas hunter safety instructor, and right. I, I took his, I took his course. I think it's it's 15 or 16 when you have to to have it, and you can't hunt on your own under an adult supervision without a license anymore. But, um, you know, in, in Texas, at least, and I'm sure it's probably similar in Arkansas and Oklahoma and, uh, probably some of those States is when you go and get your hunter certification, your hunter safety certification and your license, you have to pass a shooting test. And, um, if you go and you get a concealed carry license, you also have to pass a shooting test. Right. And, uh, you know, typically those use, I know the concealed carry typically use pistols or handguns, if you will. And I, I think, if I remember right, <laughs> it, 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 was, it was many years ago when, when I got my hunter safety certification. I think you use a rifle for that. But the point being, you, you know, it's not – it's not a system where there is no training and there is no regulation at all. And I, I think that. Yes. But I'm saying as far as not just the training and the, the licensing, the insurance part of it, I think it's a responsibility that guns do have a, a cost, whether they're shot in uh, sporting events, whether they're shot in trying to harm other people or defending your home, there will be collateral damage of some sort. That bullet goes somewhere. And especially when you have bullets on the street that are armor-piercing bullets, and you have bullets that are made to shatter on impact and cause uh, damage beyond just hunting, you know that these these carry heavier responsibilities than a hunter and his uh, rifle going out and hunting deer for his family. It's a lot different, and I don't think that we should just be counting the cost off onto the next politician and make them responsible for whatever legislation. It should just be on the gun owners who want to own those kind of weapons. They have to have a level of insurance to cover what they do. Hey, guys, last question here for both of you. Do you guys believe that the NRA have any interest in public safety at all? Yes, the public safety of their bank account. Hunter? You would like to think so. You know, I'm sure that the NRA has its political motivations and it has its lobbyist base, if you will. You know, I do think on the one hand, there is, there's merit in arguing on behalf of the American gun owner. You know, the... But they're no the longer... Extreme they're, no longer they're no longer restricting themselves to American needs and purposes. They've gone abroad to countries like Australia and tried to use our constitution on Australians and said, you have the right to bear arms too. Nowhere in their constitution does it say they have Australia was set up a lot different than America, and they didn't have access to guns and have never been given that chance. 
So for the NRA to go over there and push their agenda on another country seems like they're overreaching by far. Well, I, I suppose another they're final, free to do that to the extent that... Wait. I'm sorry? I said final thoughts. Final thoughts. I, I think it's definitely a situation where some, some very horrible dark moments have happened here that are very, very unfortunate. I, I don't believe necessarily that uh, highly restrictive gun control is the answer, and frankly, I think... But I do think... I, I do think I that think we need a comprehensive knowledge base of who should be able to receive those weapons and who needs to be flagged. If nothing else, let's combine those databases and make a comprehensive gun check. I think it's a good time to ask questions and to figure out ways that we can improve and, and make things safer, especially when it comes to potentially trying to restrict access to firearms to people who either have legitimate uh, aggressive mental health concerns or people who may have an agenda against any particular group of people, whether it's based on sex, race, or anything else. Amen. Amen to that, definitely. So, Hunter, can I ask you a favor? Will you come back and talk to us? Sure. Uh, and, you want to have me on yeah. some time to talk about teachers? <laughs> I would really love to do that, actually. I have so much respect for teachers, and I think they are so taken advantage of. And it's Agreed. really fun. Agreed. Yeah, I'd be happy to come back on. Thank you for having me tonight. Absolutely. So, guys, once again, this is Hunter Nunn with uh, Warburton Nunn. WarburtonNunn.com. This is the sponsor of our radio show today. And uh, I'm so excited just because we really honestly need to have a conversation like this. And remember, if you're having problems, you're not the only one out there. Like if you're having suicide thoughts or call 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. You could be the man if he falls. If you make that crap. I'm going to kill my producer for doing that. If you don't have someone in your life, that you could turn to, then that's what you need to do. We want to thank Hunter Nunn with Warwich Nunn for joining us live. We are out of time, guys. Please say goodbye to my gingerbread man. Remember, this Thursday night is going to be an interesting show. We are going to be talking about 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. The President of the United States has a federal case that he is being accused of raping a 13-year-old girl. A 13-year-old little girl. Listen, I do not intend to let anyone forget that. We are going to talk about it, and we, uh, we will actually have the complaint that was filed. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to my gingerbread man. Thank you to no, my forward to none. Say good night, honey gingerbread man. Good night. All right, guys, I'm your host, John Hollywood. This is All You Need to Know Radio. And remember, keep reaching for the stars because that's, that's where it is. Good night. You can do the same, yeah. What have you done today to make you feel so-
sombre. 